0: You're listening to the Bay Christian Family Church Podcast. As you're seated, open your Bible at Genesis chapter 28. This morning we were talking about the rest of God. And in that discussion, we were talking about Jacob and the power of the vow. Everybody say the power of the vow. And as you know, uh, that is... His father Isaac had sent him to go back to his uncle Laban and look for his wife there. And so he was on that journey and in that journey he went into a sleep. He had gone to sleep that night and in that sleep he saw in a vision a ladder being set up between the earth and heaven and angels ascending and descending on that. And then God appeared and told Jacob that he would bless him just as he blessed his father and blessed Abraham. And there's that ongoing blessing through, through generations. When God says he wants to bless you and bless all the nations, he's talking about you and your family, you and all your household. And then he goes ahead yeah, in verse 20, Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and keep me in this way that I am going and give me bread to eat and clothing to put on so that I come back to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. And this stone which I've set as a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will surely give a tenth to you. Hallelujah. God will. He says that when God's his God, He will surely give a tenth of all. Now, it's in that making of the vow that we studied this morning. Now, I'm not going to have a look at that tonight because we went into it in detail this morning. So if you weren't here for this morning, I really encourage you to go back and look it up on our live stream platforms. But it's very important that we're here to get the word for every single stage that we're going through. And so the power of the vow is where in terms of a vow... When we studied it out this morning, we see that it's God giving us the power within His kingdom to reach into a harvest that is still to come. And then by receiving that harvest, that harvest is within it a seed. And we can place the seed in that harvest so that we can establish the harvest in the future. Hallelujah. So as a result of that vow, What had happened was Jacob had reached forward and said, you're going to bless me, you're going to look after me, you're going to make sure that I'm always provided for, and on that basis, I honor you with a tithe. God has instituted His kingdom in a seed-sowing and harvest principle, that when you establish a seed, He will always answer that seed with a harvest. But what happens if you don't have any harvest? What happens, like, yeah, Jacob's going out. He doesn't have anything in his life. He has, he's saying to God, you're going to look after me. You're going to provide for me. And on that basis, in advance, I commit to sow into that. I commit. I'm making a vow to honor you. And God will take those words, and he'll use that wording as currency in the kingdom of God. God wants to provide for you. God wants to supply you. God wants to heal you. He's already established that. We saw that in the life of the woman with the issue of blood, that she wanted healing and said, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I will be made well. Well, what did she do? She went ahead and touched the hem. What happened? She was healed. Now the word says, by Jesus' stripes, you are healed but he hadn't died yet. He was still walking around. He's got the garment on and, he's, and he's, he's, he hasn't yet gone to the cross. But God took her words and on the basis of her words, she could reach into her future and bring it into the current. See, family God, your words can adjust time zones. Oh, Jesus. Let me say that again. Your words adjust time zones. How many of you know God has already prepared you a future? He's already blessed you with a future. He says He's blessed you with every blessing. He has supplied your every need. He's healed all your diseases. Is that the promise of the word? Well, where is that harvest? It is in your future, but I need it today. Then say it. You speak it. Because as you decree a thing, that brings it into your now. And that's why it's so important to repay a vow. The word we studied this morning is you don't make a vow and not pay it. Because God cannot be mocked. In other words, he's giving your harvest on the understanding there will be a seed to back it up. Because God's not mocked, whatever a man sows he, what he, he reaps. So if someone makes a vow and then God blesses them, gives it to them, but then as a result of that, they decide, well, now they've got all of this money or got all of this, whatever they got, and then they don't carry out the vow they gave to God. I've seen that happen. People come to church and say, Father, I need a, a, a job, and God blesses them with a great job. and next moment you don't see them anymore. You wonder, what happened? Where where are you now? You just came for the job. That's a very dangerous place to be in. Why? Because if I eat a harvest and then don't sow a seed towards it, well, now what's happened is that there's a harvest existing without a seed, and that violates the kingdom of God. Every single, at the the end of the day, if you want to put it this way, the spiritual books must balance. There cannot be a harvest without a seed. Even God himself governs his own life by it. That's why when he wanted a family, he had to sow a seed of his Son. He he has obligated himself to it. Even when Jesus said, if this cup can pass from me, and then he had to realize, no, this is the way it has to be done. The father had obligated himself to that principle. And as a result of that, he died. He says, unless a seed falls in the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it brings forth a great harvest. And he was talking about himself. And so you and I today are harvests. Of God's seed. And that's the principle how the kingdom of God works. And when I recognize that and I honor that, that's when you're going to see the blessing manifest. And so I want to encourage you, make a decision that whatever you trust in God for, there is a blessing involved in that. And we were looking at this and for time's sake, we didn't get to everything. So let's have a look at it tonight. Genesis chapter 29 verse 15. Laban said to Jacob, Come down to verse 25 rather. Genesis 30, verse 25. As you know, we, this morning we saw how uh, Jacob had fallen in love with Rachel and he wanted her as his wife and Laban said, well, you need to work for me for seven years. And he did that and then through deceit, he had Leah given to him as his wife. And when he realized that in the morning, he said, no, he still wants Rachel. So his father-in-law said, well, then you work another seven years. And he did that as well. And then he received Rachel as his wife. And then he continued working for Laban another seven years. And that's where we pick up here in Genesis chapter 30, verse 25. It came to pass when Rachel had born Joseph that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place and to my own country. Now, why is he saying that? Because we saw this morning, that's the promise, that's the covenant, that's the blessing that Isaac had spoken over Jacob. He said, go fetch yourself a wife. And then God said, I'm going to multiply you and your descendants will be as the dust of the earth and you shall return to this land. You're coming back. And so Jacob's looking at that and said, well, now I want to go back. This is, well, this is the promise I have from God. Verse 26, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go. For you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes. Vrachis. After 21 years, I had to work 14 years to get my wife I wanted. And now this man has the gumption to say, if I find favor in your eyes. Now, I want you to get a hold of what's happening here. He says, I have found, please stay if I found, found favor in your eyes. For I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. The Lord has blessed me for your sake. Now, you know how powerful the blessing is. We've studied it before. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 22 says, The blessing of the Lord does what? What does it do? How many of you are blessed? Keep that hand up and say, "The The word of God says, The blessing makes me rich. I must be rich. Are you rich? Yes. Let me see, Where are the rich people. See, you ask that in another church, three hands go up. Why? Because they're thinking about their neighbor and the car they drive and look at their big house and I don't have that yet and I don't have that bank account, so I, they're the rich one. I Can't be me. And we're always thinking we're not rich because we're looking at someone else. But the moment you're born again, you are rich. Say that, I am rich. And rich. rich isn't just and cents. It's whatever you need, whatever you need. That's a happy, healthy, strong marriage, living in a happy, healthy, strong body, in a happy, healthy, strong economy around you. Wherever you go, that blessing of favor flows with you. Wherever you are, people saying yes and how can they help you and giving you offers and inviting you, opening doors where everybody else is. How did you get in? I just came. I just arrived. <laughs> well, How did you get in? Who do you know? Hmm. I have one who knows where I need to be. And no one can stop me from getting to the place I need to be in because the blessing's on me. The blessing makes one. Rich, and he adds no sorrow, no toil with it. That's the power of the blessing. That blessing works. Wherever you are, you are blessed. And as long as we're looking at other people with envy, as, we, as long as we're jealous of someone else, what are we saying? You got something I want. God, how come I don't have it yet? What are we saying? God hasn't given it to me. If I see someone else with something and I'm going, God, when? No, then I don't understand. I already have it. If God wants that in my life, I already have it. I don't want anything in my life that God doesn't want me to have. God knows what will hurt me. He knows what will stop me. He knows what will slow me down. And if He says, I want something, and I, if I say, I want something, and He says, that's not for you, it doesn't line up with your calling, I don't want it. Uh, it's all He has to do. Say, I, that'll, that'll slow your ministry down. Take it away. And then, I, then I, I do not want that in my life. How many are you willing to say amen to that? See, some people struggle to commit with that because the flesh wants things. I don't know why, got, how come Christians can't do it? I don't want to do what, a, you know, the word says don't do it. I'm not going to do it. How stupid is that? I like saying, why can't I drink arsenic? Why would you want to? Well, it smells like almonds and, you know, I like almonds. And No, it's poison. Hello? Why would you want to do something that destroys the body? I don't understand people that fight to sin. Because sin destroys. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. That's why I hate sin. So if God doesn't want something in my life, I'm the last one to force it. If He just has to, to hint that I don't think that's going to help you. It's going to slow your ministry down. Forget it. Then I don't want it. But if God wants me to have something, if something's going to bless me, something's going to increase me, nothing can stop it from getting to me. And there's the rest. And Laban was picking up on this. This man, whatever he needs, whatever he wants, happens. And it's happening in his household. You see, the word of God says that God reigns on the righteous and the unrighteous. What does that mean? I've used the example before, but for those that haven't heard it, is you can imagine a farmer in a valley and uh, he's serving the Lord. And he needs a good harvest this year. And so he says, Lord, I really need a good harvest this year. That means I need... my my ground to be ready at this certain season, the seasons need to be right, the rain needs to come at this certain season, blah, 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 And and he sets out exactly what he needs to have the right harvest. He says, I'm asking you for, I believe I receive it. Well, when the rain comes, God doesn't just rain a tube of rain on his farm. That whole valley gets rain. So the Atheist farmer next door doesn't even know why he's got such wonderful rain. No, there's a blessed man living next door. And as a result of him being blessed, that rain is falling on your farm. See, the fact that you live in this Cape Town region, this Cape region is blessed. This church in this region, in this valley, is the reason this valley is blessed. Oh, the, uh, the Amen's went quiet there. I, I just said, the reason this valley, this Halderberg Basin is blessed, the reason why the Western Cape is blessed is because we are here. And sometimes people look and they think, well, not where I live. It's in a mess. Well, well now it's time to change that. I said, it's time to change it. Stop waiting for the government to come and do the provision. Stop waiting for the government to clean. I don't know why this government doesn't come and clean our city. They they give all that, that town. That town's always clean. I don't know why they come clean our town. Hang on. Who said it's the government's responsibility? We are the ones here to rebuild the cities. So when I stop seeing myself as a victim, myself as the poor one, myself as the one that needs to have things handed out to me, I stand up and I realize I am called to be the provider. God is the provider and He works through me. And whatever needs to get to my city, He's going to bring it through me. And if no one else steps up for the job, I'm here and I'm willing to take it all. If I rebuild the city on my own, but I know I'm not on my own because each and every one of us have been called to the same thing. How many of you shout amen to that? And so we're going to renew our minds to these things because God's turning it around and He's preparing you for it. And He's going to use you to do it. And so He says here in verse 28, Name me your wages and I will give it. He stepped right into The place, without even realizing it, God was getting ready to honor that vow that Jacob had made and bless this man beyond what he could ever imagine. And he needed to do it through Laban, but he needed to come out of his mouth. God positioned this man who deceived him around his daughter, who abused him, took 21 years of labor without pay. How many people have been abused through centuries of not being honored and given rightful compensation? God's not mocked. He will not allow it. He will not allow it. Because it the, the system lands up unbalanced. He says a workman is worthy of his wage. If someone's abused you, misused you, put you in positions where you have been stolen from or, 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 or cheated or taken from, know this. God saw it. I said God saw it. And he's preparing to turn that around. You need to be ready for it. I want you to pick up on something here. Jacob did not complain about his father-in-law. When he'd worked for seven years, he could have got upset, taken Leah, and gone back home, and got had the woman he didn't want to have. And now he's got a love. Where would he be today? No, he said, if I work seven years, I still want the woman of my dreams. And he rested, and he said, Well, now Leah's my wife. That's fine, but I'm going to go for Rachel again. Are you with me? There's a rest. There's a knowing who your God is. And so Laban opens himself wide open, gives him a blank check. Name me your wages and I will give it. And so Jacob said to him, verse 29, you, now, you know how I've served you and how your livestock has been with me for what you had before I came was little. And now it's increased a great amount. Why? Because of the blessing. The Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now when shall I provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. (laughs) I I love this. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats. And these shall be my wages. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, every one that's not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it's with me. Now, why did he do this? Well, we saw this morning that God had said to him, we saw it in Genesis chapter 31, that he had in a vision seen this happening. And so he understood that this was God's plan. Now, family, I I want you to pick up on something here, because at this moment, Jacob has nothing. Laban is willing to pay him anything. But he says, we're going to do this in a way that it won't be you that pays me. Because even, remember, Abraham, when he had conquered those kings, and the king tried to work him and said, you can keep the people. Uh, We get the people back. You keep all the goods for yourself. And he realized this king is trying to put a hook in him. He said, no man will say that he made Abraham rich. So he doesn't want anything unless God gets it to him. Now God will still get it through the system. But He's not going to let Laban pay him because he already knows this man's abused him. And if he pays him, then he's going to have a hook in him. Ah, ah, You owe me. So he said, what we'll do is do it in a way. We will use something that doesn't exist yet. So if it doesn't exist yet, I will get it. And when it comes to me, that's what's mine. So we will know that this is God who provided it. And that's a very important thing. And family, if you're going to work in this way, if you want to live this kind of life, you're going to have to, We all of us need to, renew our minds to step out of a poverty mentality into a place where I'm at rest, that I'm blessed, that I don't have to ask any man for anything ever. My boss doesn't owe me a thing. I don't understand why my boss hasn't given me any increases. Maybe I need to go on strike. No, then you're trusting your billboard and your toy-toying instead of you trusting God for his provision. Are you with me? Billboards don't pay your salary. And here's the thing. I, I I can protest my boss and squeeze him into giving me an increase, but I'll always be on the back foot and I'll always be struggling and I'll always be battling to get ahead. Because once you're locked into a work work system like that where the man keeps you in check through salary and wages, he'll keep you at that cold face, just feeding the fire and making sure he gets all the wealth while you struggle and pay for it. It, we got to break out of that system. I said we have to break out of that system where we're not held in the grips of somebody who uses our poverty, our lack and our struggling to keep us under slave labor. I'm preaching better than your amens. See, we need to renew our minds, renew our minds because I, I don't need my boss to pay me. If God's called me to a place, I don't care what salary they pay me because that may be the going rate. But I know that God has not mocked what He sees. He will get to me. He will provide it for me. It will come to me. Why? Because He will not allow that to happen. And so we got to step out of this lack poverty mentality and get into a place where I know that I am blessed. I don't have to beg for money. I don't have to beg for position. I don't have to beg for increases. I don't need to beg for promotions. God has put it in place. See, as long as I'm begging, I'll never get to the place where I need to be. And family, I'm not just talking to people who are poor. I'm not just talking to people who, you know, maybe working with labor wages. This is for even millionaires. I said it in the first service. I didn't share it in the second service. So if anybody missed it, let me say it here again. Uh, I was listening to something that Dr. Bill Winston was teaching. And he was teaching along these principles. And he said that he had a businessman come to him. And he, he wanted to come into agreement because he, he heard about the power of partnership. And he wants him as his pastor to pray over his business. And so Dr. Bill asked him, so what is it? that you want for your income? What, what are you believing God for? So he said, well, I, I'm believing for an income of fifteen million million, One five, $15 million. So Bill Winston says, well, I, I can believe for that. I, I have the faith for that. So I'm gonna pray for you, and your income will be at least $15 million. But yes, the agreement. Anything over the $15 million you're going to put into the ministry. I've got faith for you, so let's, let's, let's go into an agreement here, partnership. Whatever goes over will be for the church, for the ministry. This person said, let me pray about that. You see, that's greed manifesting. Because if he goes to 20 million, well now I must give five million to the church. Excuse me, you're not even at 15 yet, and you're going to get 15 now that you have someone that can oh can you see how someone can be stopped from stepping into the blessing? because they're worried about the extra. How many of you know, God is more than enough. How do you believe that? well, how much is enough? If he's more than enough, what's your enough? When do you say, that's enough? This is what I need. See, until we understand that, we will always be wanting more, wanting more, because if you have get more, well, I need more. Then you want more. And as long as we do that, the enemy will get us chasing the stuff instead of trusting God. See, I've defined my visions. I know what my enough is. I need for this. I need for that. I need for this. And when that's settled, anything over and above is for the work of God. So I start with the tithe. That's for the house of God. I can't reap any harvest without a seed. So I sow my seed to produce the harvest. And then I define what my harvest is. And God has always exceeded that. And when he exceeds that, I know the excess is for the work of God. See, when you understand that principle, you step into another dimension. And yes, what was happening is Laban said, you can go ahead and name it. And he said, that's what I want to do. This is how we're going to work the system. I'm going to get all the brown, the speckled, and the stripy animals. And so as a result of that, Come down to verse 34. Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. Other words, okay. And he didn't realize. See, Laban didn't understand the power of the blessing. He didn't know how powerful words were. Why? Because generally, you don't have many animals born speckled or brown or streaked. So he said, okay, if it's so, then let it be so. He thought he's getting the better part of the deal. And so he removed that day the male goats that were speckled, spotted, the female goats that were speckled, spotted, every one that had some white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and gave them into the hand of his sons. And he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of the almond and chestnut trees peeled white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods and the rods which he had peeled. He set before the flocks in the gutters in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink so that they should conceive when they came to drink. And so the flocks conceived before the rods and the flocks brought forth streak, speckled and spotted. And Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the street and all the brown and the flock of Laban. But he put his own flocks by themselves and did not put them with Laban's flocks. And it came to pass, whenever the stronger livestock conceived, Jacob placed the rods before their eyes so that they might conceive among the rods. But when the flocks were feeble, he didn't put them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. And thus the man became exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants, and camels and donkeys. So when he saw an animal hobbling up, he pulled the the branch out. That's one of Laban's. And we saw a nice, big, strong animal walk up, threw it back in. Now that one's babies are going to be mine. And that's what happened. He managed to produce all of that. Now, look at chapter 31, verse 1. Now, Jacob heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. Excuse me? Jacob himself said, when I came, you had nothing. See, that's what happens. Before, when you were just lost, busted, and disgusted, the world didn't care about you. When God starts to prosper you and you start to rise up and you're blessed, now they want to comment on you. Now they want to say things about you. Now they want to call you names. You know what I decided? I don't care what people think or say because I came here when I I knew my God has blessed me. When I started out serving God, I had nothing. But because of his blessing, he's blessed me. No man can say he's blessed, Alan Bang. No man can say he's blessed you. God has blessed you. God has prospered you. Say amen. Verse 2. Jacob saw the countenance of Laban. Indeed, it was not favorable towards him as before. And the Lord said to Jacob, Return to the land of your fathers. There is releasing him and your family. And I will be with you. And so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field of his flock and said to them, I see your father's countenance that's no longer favorable toward me, but the God of my father has been with me. You know with all my might I have served your father, yet your father deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. Family, get a hold of that. Ten times. Laban says, You name your well, name, name, name your wage. And he says, Yeah, verse 8 If he said, the speckled will be your wages, all the flocks bore speckled. And he said, The streaks will be your wage. the streaked ones shall be your labor, wages, then all the flocks bore streaked. And so God took away the livestock of your father and gave them to me. Family, you get a hold of that. God will not allow you to be left in a place of deception, of abuse, of corruption. Whatever anybody's done to try and abuse you and steal from you, he has turned it around. I said he has turned it around. I'm speaking prophetically over you today. Make a decision. That you're going to rest in the fact that God has seen it. Stop talking about that person. Stop criticizing them. Stop moaning about your business and your boss and your workplace. It's time to say, God, you have seen it. I don't care. My wages were changed 10 times. Whatever is decided, God made sure I got that. That blessing is at work. And right now, God has blessed you. And that blessing is working in your favor and on your behalf. You believe that? Then trust God for it. And I'm saying tonight, I'm speaking tonight. I believe that many, many of us here have had things happen where we've been struggling and battling and people have done things or said things or taken things from us. But I'm putting a stop to it tonight. stand on your feet right now. I I believe that as you receive this tonight, this is your night of restoration. God is not mocked. You made a decision to honor God. You made a decision that whatever God gives you, you will tithe on. You made that decision. See, once you get a hold of this, it's like that person with the $15 million. If you could just get a hold of the fact that God is wanting, he's the one that blesses his ministries. God wants more churches planted, yes. He wants Bible colleges established, yes. He wants the gospel preached. So instead of me saying, I wish I had more money, why? So I can buy me a car, buy me a house, buy me a... no. I want to make sure the gospels preached. I want to finance the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. God says, when you do that, I will make sure you have the house and the car. Why? Because it has to come through you to get to the ministry. You getting this? So when you make a decision and you honor God and you say, Father, I am here for you and your kingdom, God will see to it that you're looked after. He'll protect you. He gives His whole kingdom. He says, the Lord of hosts will rebuke the devourer. What does that mean? Lord of the armies of heaven. The armies of heaven will protect you so that your fire never fails. And you're making a decision. Father, I'm honoring you. I'm honoring your kingdom. And as you do that, you step into this place where the blessing goes to work. God's blessing is designed to keep you healthy. I said God's blessing is designed to keep you healthy. Why? He wants you to work. He wants you to be a part of the world. He wants you to be part of, not the world system, but in your, your living place. He wants you to be reaching people, and He wants you to be in a healthy place to do that. So He's provided for your health. He doesn't just make us healthy so we comfortable, is so we can do His work. He's already blessed you with everything you need. That blessing is at work. But that blessing asks us, it requires of us to be at rest. So I want you to do, make a conscious decision tonight. I'm going to pray this over you, that anything that's tried to stress you, to put you under pressure, whether it's that bill, that debt, that pain in your body, whatever's tried to hold you down, that today you let it go and enter into a place of rest. Just right now, lift your hands before God and say this, Father, I am blessed. And that blessing has made me rich. You had no sorrow with it. I refuse to sorrow. I refuse to toil. I refuse to worry. I refuse anxiety. And I trust you. You are my living God. And today, I receive your blessing in its fullness. I am blessed. And I trust you. And I know that blessing's at work. Wherever I am, I'm blessed. Wherever I am, my business is blessed. My workplace is blessed. My house is blessed. My family is blessed. Whatever I touch is blessed. I'm blessed. And it keeps showing up. It keeps manifesting. I live in the divine life and health of God. My body Responds to the blessing as divine life and health. I am blessed. 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 blessed. See, some of us still struggle to say that. We're saying it because I must say it. No, I want you to see yourself blessed. Say, I am blessed.